It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M, and with the 2020 season just weeks away, we have some interesting battles that will be going on. And more importantly, the biggest battle always comes from under center. So we have a very special guest joining the podcast. This episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is an auto part customer online service that has been serving people for the past 20 years. Go visit rockauto.com and type in Locked On on the How to Hear About Us page so they know that we sent you. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the auto parts you could ever need Rock Auto is the place to be. As always, follow us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this show better, I will always take into consideration. And Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th Man-related content found here on the Locked on Podcast Network. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live here on LockedOnPodcast.com. Well, it's going to take a lot to drag me away from this next segment, and it could be a hundred million more reasons to listen in. He may not bless the rains down in Africa, but he's going to bless our airwaves today. Ladies and gentlemen, the man himself from USA Today. Guys, give it up for the quarterback guru, Mark Schofield, Twitter dad. How you doing, man? Cole, man, it's great to be with you. I love the intro. Anytime somebody works in some Africa lyrics, I'm always pumped up to get going. I think that's always fun when we make jokes about this on Twitter, where we see you down at Mobile. It's always one of the very first things I think people talk about. Hey, do you know Mark Schofield? What, you mean Toto guy? Yeah, he's yeah. over there. Yeah, it's yeah, immediately yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a good lesson for those that are new to Twitter. Like, latch on to something pretty silly, whether it's Toto by Africa or – I mean, Africa by Toto, um, or the Pooh memes, the Winnie the Pooh memes, what I've been doing, or the Scrubs gifts. Like, latch on to something silly. It's, it's going to make people like, you know – at least smile when they think of you, which is a good thing. It's a niche, and what I love yeah. about it is you have a you have you have an, actually have a face mask. I do. Who moves? Which is like the funniest do. thing ever. Cole, it's legitimately the best twenty bucks I've ever spent, and I I'm, honestly I am, don't doubt that. I am hoping that you know we get to go down to the mobile for the Senior Bowl at the end of January because you better believe I'm going to be bringing those masks with me. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you subscribe to the podcast here at Locked on Aggies and also subscribe at Mr. Cole Thompson. We got Mark Schofield here from Touchdown Wire. Make sure you give him a follow at Mark Schofield NFL. Mark, the quarterback situation, I mean, again, you've played it, you've watched it, you've studied it. I mean, there has to be just a one in a fluke million chance. I mean, we, we talk about the Tennessee Titans, former quarterback, you know, Ryan Tannehill of Texas A&M is on a really good roster, but he still is pretty talented. We talk about, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles, Nick Foles, what they were able to do in the playoffs. I mean, outside of like just one or two instances, the quarterback position really is the most important position to have a successful franchise on a consistent level year in and year out. And in the SEC, you know, last year we saw Tua Tagovailoa, we saw Jake Fromm, we saw number one pick Joe Burrow leave the conference, and now we have a new crop of SEC quarterbacks where, I mean, just based off of your initial study, what's the feeling of them this year compared to last year? Well, I think interestingly enough, last year obviously the buzz was Tua, right? You know, there are a lot of people that this time last year 
you know, had the idea, had the notion that Miami would tank for Tua, that they would go 0 16 and set themselves up to draft Tua Tungo Bailoa with the first overall selection. But as we often see, Cole, and you know this as well, you know, the life cycle of a draft quarterback tends to work in a rather cyclical manner. We spend the summer building up a guy, the games begin, we spend the fall tearing him down. And then as we get closer and closer to the draft, we start building that player back up again. You think about, you know, a Jared Goff. You think about a Deshaun Watson. I mean, remember, I remember that I'm old enough to remember the days where Deshaun Watson, no matter what, turned into 47 miles per hour at the combine. The guy's arm isn't good enough to play in the National Football League. But then as the draft came around, it was like, yes, this guy's a, a first-round pick. And so it is cyclical in a manner. Burrow has changed – two quarterbacks in recent history, I think, have changed the conversation. One is Joe Burrow last year. And I guess actually you could say three. Burrow last year, because this time last year, even people like myself that were relatively high on him thought he was a day three pick. You know, I, I wrote that, you know, he has some of the things you want to see this time last year. Um, but I still thought that, like, look, best case scenario for him is he has a good year, goes to the senior bowl, becomes, you know, an early day three, late day two kind of guy. I never I never envisioned first overall pick. I don't think many envisioned first overall pick. Mitchell Trubisky in a similar manner. Like not a lot of people expected the rise we saw from him because he didn't play. And then he rises to number two overall. And then there's Carson Wentz, you know, and I'm old enough to remember then uh, a time when a North Dakota State quarterback wasn't really talked about until October, November of his final year. Now we're getting Trey Lance name dropped by Mel Kuyper Jr. The moment the draft ends with Mel Kuyper saying, look, he's one of the best players in the next draft. And so the, the conversation about quarterbacks has changed. When you look at, you know, the SEC crop that's coming out potentially, it's not the excitement level there was last year with Tua. But I think there's a, there's a record – people are recognizing that there's a potential for some, maybe all of these guys, to have a Burrow-like rise. You know, when you look at Kyle Trask, he's some of the people are saying, there's something here. No, similar to what we were saying about Joe Burrow. There's something here with this kid. If he has a solid year, he could rise. You look at what's going to happen now with Jamie Newman. You know, if he does win that Florida or that Georgia job, excuse me, athletic kid. We're seeing the NFL move towards athletic type of quarterbacks, whether it's a Baker Mayfield, a, a Kyler Murray. You know, he could have a similar rise. And then look, Kellen Mond. You know, when you talk about arm talent, when you talk about velocity, when you talk about torque and the throw in motion, these are boxes that he checks, and those are things that matter at the quarterback position. And so while there isn't a, you know, lay down for Mond or something like that movement underway, there's a potential for one, if not all three of these kids, to move up boards as the games kick off. Yeah, I would agree. I think that when you look at the SEC this year, especially what Joe Burrow did last year, you also have guys like Mississippi State's KJ Costello going to a West Coast offense with Mike Leach now taking over in Starkville. I still think that with um, you, you still have uh, Mac Jones out of Alabama, who really I think in, in the right system with Steve Sarkeesian could make it work. But let's just focus on Mon for a minute because of the reason I bring him up more than just the fact that this is a locked on Texas A&M podcast, he's the veteran. I mean, since early, late Kevin Sumlin era, early Jimbo Fisher era, this has been the guy. And I think the biggest thing that a lot of people want to know is, you know, last year, everyone was down in Birmingham and he said, I'm going to be the number one quarterback in the SEC. And, and he could have declared. I mean, he really could have declared last year because if he would have been a junior. And then he struggled. I, I mean, 
it, it, when you look at this base by base, are the struggles on Mon just, you know, a lack of an offensive line? Are they more so, you know, him feeling the pressure? Is it just a new system? I mean, because the, the amount of just drop-off from sophomore year to junior year is astounding just on basic yeah. And I, I think it's twofold, Cole. I do think that there is a concern about the offensive line because he was pressured early and often last year, and we saw that show up on film. And we saw what pressure did to him. There were times when the pocket was collapsing around him, when the decision-making, the thought process, it wasn't as complete as you'd like it to be. And if there's one thing we all know about when you transition from life as a college quarterback to a pro quarterback, you're going to face pressure. You're going to face collapsing pockets. That's just part of life, navigating life as an NFL quarterback. And so how you handle those moments is big when we're sort of trying to study a quarterback prospect and, and decipher how that person is going to translate to the National Football League. But the other thing is, look, quarterbacks and quarterback pressures are not an offensive line stat alone. You know, the more and more we study and we think about what – what causes sacks, what leads to quarterback pressures. Yes, there are times when it's an offensive line statistic. But if it's a one or a three-step concept, one from gun, three from center, and the ball doesn't come out when it needs to, that's not on the offensive line. That's on the quarterback. Or maybe it's a combination of the quarterback and the coverage. And when you study Maud, yes, there are moments when the pressure was not his doing, but there are moments when it was. The decisions need to be quicker. The reads need to be faster. He needs to be more decisive at times. And that's a learning curve for every single quarterback, pro, rookie, or college veteran. You know, I just got done studying all 38 sacks of Daniel Jones last year uh, for a piece over at SB Nation. And yes, you know, 18 of the sacks or 19 of the sacks were on somebody other than the quarterback. But the rest of them, the other half, were either in whole or in part on the quarterback himself, either being too slow with his reads, being too slow with his decisions, or just missing an open opportunity for him. And so it's incumbent on all quarterbacks, whether you're the Tom Brady's of the world or the Kellen Mons of the world, to be faster with your decision-making at times. Because if the offensive line does its job and the ball doesn't come out and then you get sacked, that's not a quarterback issue. I mean, that's not an offensive line issue. That's a quarterback issue. And so that's one of the areas I'll be looking for from Mond this year is that the decision-making improve. Is he faster with his reads and decisions? And part of it might be the system. Part of it might be the scheme. Part of it might be those elements. But you want to see the quarterback be decisive. And if he's not and sacks come as a result of that, that's an issue that you have to be worried about. Howdy, everybody. It's Cole Thompson from Locked On Aggies. And much like you, I'm trying to stay in shape during this quarantine without going to the gym. But part of staying in shape is by having the right nutrients added to your body. And I think I've recently found something that really is not only great tasting, but great for me. And that's in Built Bars. Built Bars are more than just a tasty treat. They are a protein-packed power bar that keep you going throughout the days. And they come in 16 amazing flavors, all covered in 100% real chocolate, plus they're soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy because it helps you lose and maintain your weight while also having a delicious flavor added to your mouth. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high in protein. Let me give you my favorite example for the peanut butter brownie. Comes with 20 grams of protein, 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, and 3 grams of net carbs. 3 grams of sugar. You're not going to be able to find that anywhere else. Why don't you go ahead and try your favorite bar by going to BuiltBar.com and using the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off your first order. Remember, 
That promo code is locked on for $10 off BuiltBar.com. So go ahead and try your favorite Built Bar today. Not only will you be building muscle, you'll be building confidence in yourself to look better when it comes time for summer season. And I think that's always been a big thing. You know, you look at the quarterback pressures just in general. I think a and had 36 last year. But you watch, you know, I think I, I at least counted 12 where he was on a six-step drop back trying to evade the pressure. And, and I look at it a lot, a little bit like Deshaun Watson, where the one thing that I want to see Watson's game element is him release the ball a lot quicker. Because I do think that some of that pressure is his own doing, even though the offensive line still is a is a mess down in Houston. Very similar to AM. They have the pieces to be good, but they're just not all there. But when you look at his arm strength, when you look at his ability to read defenses, when you look at his ability to extend plays, especially with that mobile factor that kind of comes in, does that give him more of an edge over, you would say, a guy like Kyle Trask over a guy like uh, – like Mac Jones or even a guy like KJ Costello? I think so, Cole, in a sense that we've seen the game become more athletic on the offensive side of the ball. And as a result, we have seen this shift away from the old battleships as like the Eli Mannings and the Tom Brady's of the world to the guys like a Kyler Murray, to a Deshaun Watson, the guys that can, if a play breaks down, if pressure comes, they can create and extend with their legs and then make plays downfield in the passing game. You know, because you can have things blocked up. You can have things called correctly. You can have a decisive quarterback. But you face guys like Vaughn Miller and Khalil Mack, and it doesn't matter. They're that good that they can pressure you immediately. You could face guys like, although, like, for example, he opted out, but Gregory Rousseau at Miami or a Basham at Wake Forest, guys that can get to you immediately, even at the college level. And so that's sort of the X factor that, that, you know, tiebreaker that you can have as a quarterback where an unblocked defender suddenly is grasping for air as you definitely move around them in the pocket. Teams are going to value that. Teams are going to want that. And as many people know, as some of you might not, but listening to my voice, you might realize it. Yes, I'm from the Boston area. I'm a Patriots fan. I have a flagrant Boston accent, even after 43 years on this planet, that I will still flaunt whenever I get the chance. So I am a Patriots fan. And I've seen 20 years of Tom Brady, not the world's greatest athlete, avoid pressure in the pocket with his feet. And I have also seen his head coach, Bill Belichick, desire a more mobile quarterback. And what has he done? He goes out and gets Cam Newton. So Mon's ability to make people miss in space, make people whiff in the pocket, that's an X-factor kind of thing that while he gets pressured and sometimes it's of his own doing, like you pointed out with Sean Watson, he could then avoid and make that pressure miss in the pocket and then make plays downfield. Teams value that these days because it's one of those things that you can't coach, you can't teach, and you can't game plan for as much as you'd like as a defense. And so that will help him both this season and in, in seasons to come. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that the biggest name to watch of how they evade pressure and keep plays alive, and this is something that I think even Deshaun, I think Kellen, I think anyone, Kyler can watch, is how Russell Wilson does it because he's been doing it for years and years on. We got Mark Schofield for one more quick segment before we let him out of here. Locked on Aggies will be back in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you subscribe to the podcast here at Locked On Aggies, at Mr. Cole Thompson, and go onto Spotify and iTunes. If you can't do any of that, listen live on LockedOnPodcast.com. 
Mark Schofield, at Mark Schofield. Give him a follow. He knows so much about football. More importantly, he knows about quarterbacks. And Mark, you brought this up recently in your last segment talking about Tom Brady. I mean, the reason why he fell to the sixth round is not just because of his numbers, but he was very unathletic. I mean, we've seen the we've seen the scores come out from that 2000 combine, and they're not impressive. But it's something about his demeanor that you think that that makes him who he is. But in today's NFL, you have faster edge rushers than we've ever seen. You have quicker linebackers. You have safeties who are as fast as corners but hit like middle linebackers. I mean, that's just the way the game has evolved right now. So in your opinion, you look at a guy like Kyle Trask, who's more of an in-pocket passer versus a guy like Kellen Mond. I mean, is it really at, at some point just that X-factor mentality that goes inside your brain that kind of clicks that makes you a proven I winner? I think so. Um and whenever I think about sort of the idea of competitive toughness, um, I do want to preface to the listeners that, you know, as somebody that has gone through the Scouting Academy, which is a program started by Dan Hatman, a former NFL scout, somebody that won a Super Bowl reign with the Giants in their victory over the Patriots when they prevented them from going undefeated, something Dan will flaunt in front of me every time I see him, he'll show me that Super Bowl reign. Now Dan teaches prospective scouts through the Scout and Academy program. He teaches them how to evaluate players based on how he learned to do it with the National Football League under Lewis Riddick, under Dave Gettleman. And one of the things that every player is evaluated on is this idea of competitive toughness because, let's face it, this is an emotional game. This is a physical game. You either rise to the occasion or you don't, and that matters. And it particularly matters at the quarterback position, and this is something I can speak to from experience. When you walk into the huddle as a quarterback and you have 10 sets of eyes looking at their cleats and not looking at you, you have lost that group. They have no confidence in you to lead them. And that is nowhere for an offense to be if it wants to be successful. I know I've been in that lonely moment when I've realized these guys don't believe in me. Now look at a guy like Deshaun Watson. Think about his last game in college, that national championship game against Alabama. And this is a play I bring up every single time when I talk about how Deshaun Watson was my quarterback one that year. He helicopters himself into Reuben Foster on a third and lawn, trying to get a first down. He comes up short, but pops right up. And what happens? On that Clemson sideline, they want to go win for this guy. On that Alabama sideline, they don't know how they're going to beat this guy. It matters at the quarterback position more than most because when Deshaun Watson walked back into the huddle the next time they started the drive, those guys looked at him in the eye and they wanted to play for him. They wanted to win with him. They wanted to help him achieve his goals. It matters at the quarterback position. And so if you have that leadership factor, that competitive toughness factor, that ability to on third and seven, make an edge rusher miss, scramble for a first down, pop up, gesticulate wildly in the direction of the first down marker and keep the drive alive, that's going to get people to want to play for you. And so the quarterbacks that check that box are valuable. I will close with this. When I missed on Dak Prescott and graded him like quarterback 14 in that draft because I was so hyper-focused on his ball placement, the thing that I missed on that I didn't value highly enough was his competitive toughness. I had it in my notes, but two years later when I look back to reevaluate my read on him, my prospect evaluation of him, I didn't weigh it properly enough. But I learned because the next year – Deshaun Watson was QB1 for me. It matters at the quarterback position, competitive toughness. And if you don't take it into account, you are missing possibly half the story of a quarterback. 
And I think that really what you look at is what Joe Burrow did last year. You could see in his eyes the way he commanded the offense. They always had their attention on him. Number nine in the backfield was number one on the field every single time. I think you look at that, and that's what Kyle Trask did when he took over for Felipe Franks last year, coming in for Florida. Uh, before we let you go, Mark, this is the last question. I think everyone in the SEC right now is projecting Jamie Newman to be QB1, at least in initial rankings. What he did at Wake Forest, he's going to this new offense, Brian Schottenheimer, you know, all that. But there's a battle for QB2, I think, right now, and it is Trask and Mott. And week three of the college football season, or at least the SEC season, we're going to see that unfold. And we're going to see that go live in College Station where Mon can have that upper hand. And more importantly, I think Trask can have that upper hand as a more undersized quarterback. Also, I just want to throw this out there. These are two uh, coaches, both hired in the same year, and Mullen and Fisher One's gone to back-to-back New Year's Six Bowls. One's struggling to get past eight wins on a year. I I mean, do you think this week three matchup is going to say a lot about not just the season, but about the tenacity these two quarterbacks can have at that next level? I think so. And and think to last year. When Joe Burrow got off to the start that he did, a lot of people started to say, okay, well, maybe there's more here than we thought. But everybody had a date circled on their calendar. It was that LSU at Alabama game. And I remember even saying it myself. I even wrote it a couple of times in different pieces. Burrow's gotten off to a great start. If he goes into Tuscaloosa and wins in a game against Alabama, in a game against Tua, forget it. You're not stopping the the Joe Burrow train. He's going to rocket to QB1 overall to maybe player one overall. These head-to-head matchups, while they don't sort of matter in the sense of an overall evaluation, they shape a narrative. And so if we do get this like Mond versus Trask situation and one of them comes out and has a stellar game, that is going to shape the rest of the quarterback discussion around these players in the SEC and perhaps overall. And so, yeah, they shape narratives, they form opinions, and that game is certainly going to be one to watch when these two quarterbacks, these two teams square off. Yeah, you heard it here first, guys. Exactly on October 10th, when we see Florida take on Texas A&M, if one of these two breaks out, has a big-time game, it could be the start of something very special for a potential another QB1. Mark Schofield, ladies and gentlemen, join the podcast. Mark, let the good people know where they can find you, where they can find your work, and where you're going to be Well, Cole, thanks next. so much for having me on. Um, always a blast to be with you, buddy. Always great to catch up. Uh, people can find me on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Do most of my work over at USA Today's Touchdown Wire with Doug Farrar. Um, got a piece up right now about you know the social movements that are underway, both in the NFL and various uh, professional sporting leagues. Um, most of my coverage will be there, but I co- I host the, the Sco Show over at Pat's Pulpit, the podcast. It's mostly Patriots, mostly quarterbacks. Speaking of quarterbacks, I co-host the QB Factory with Michael Kist on Blue and Green Radio. You can check that also on SB Nation Podcast, but easiest way to find me is on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Mark Schofield, ladies and gentlemen, and that will do it for this week of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast here at Locked on Aggies and at Mr. Cole Thompson. Go on to iTunes and Spotify. We will see you next week. We're one week closer to where Texas A&M will face off against Vanderbilt to start the season off, and we're going to be breaking down the top 25 players to watch for going into the upcoming season. We'll see you next week, and remember, take them, y'all.